Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader who has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Today's guest has been disrupting for many years. He's a passionate technology leader, and we're talking to him today because he's disrupting the real estate management industry, introducing the ability to pay rents with cryptocurrency, and the company he's working with has even minted their own crypto coin. We'll talk about more about that later. But coming to us live from Philadelphia, founder at Boss LLC, Denny Boss. Hello. Yay. Okay, Denny, I love your name. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like a boss. Do you always get, do people always like talk about your last name being Boss? Oh, almost everyone pronounces it wrong. People I've known for 20 years have pronounced it wrong, and I've stopped correcting them. I, I get bows a lot. And, <laughs> you get bows uh, a lot. For four well, letters. Is so much better, color. especially yeah, as a disruptor, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like a boss. Okay. I really want to get into this whole real estate management industry. We have a lot. We're a renter nation right now. It's crazy. But before we get into that, tell me, what is your number one? main ingredient for disruptive innovation? Listening. For me, a lot of people like to talk in different things, but if you sit back and listen a little bit, you're going to hear what's going on. You'll hear a lot of the pain points. You know, as a product manager, I'm always listening for what are the pain points that we can solve with something. And so for me, the key thing for me is just listening so that I can hear what those pain points are and then how we can go about solving them. And, you know, that's where the disruption often comes from is People are used to going about things in one way, but if you're listening for what that pain is and you can introduce a new way to do things, you can really introduce that disruption into it and, you know, lead a new way to do it, solve a problem. We're definitely forging the path of leading new ways to do things, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do find innovators like yourself do have that aspect of listening and empathy I take it from your point of view, if you're not listening, you can't figure out what needs to be changed. Right. I mean, you'll end up just doing the same thing over and over again that's been happening. So that's a big thing is sometimes it's tough. I remember when I first got started years ago in product management, I had to learn to have uncomfortable conversations. One of the things I was taught was to ask open-ended conversations and if people give you a brief answer to just sit there in silence and, and wait. And eventually they'll start talking more. And it's it's actually was it was quite uncomfortable and difficult to do at first, but it, it is a tremendous tool and helpful to get people talking and, and then uh, hearing where the, the problems are. Yes, that's true. So let's let's get into this, you know, status quo of the real estate management industry that you're in right now, right? And you've been listening a lot, right? Yeah. Let's paint the picture for our listeners. I mean, a lot of them know this. We have a very educated listenership, but let's talk about what's happening in our nation right now as far as the rental 
population, right? Yeah, I mean, real estate in general has really been interesting. I mean, I know folks who have been looking for homes for close to a year, and it seems like every time they find one and put a bid in on it's gone before they can even finish. My sister is actually a real estate agent, and it seems like she's posting things where she's selling homes all the time. But the the rental side of that is also very, very big. And I think a lot of, I mean, I'm, I can't be sure of this and I can't prove it right now, but I think a lot of it has to do with right now, there's a lot of folks who have the ability to work from wherever they want. And they want to, especially while they're young, they want to move around. You can rent a place and stick around for six months to a year in one place and then decide you want to go try some other part of the country or another part of the world and rent something there. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. That's really very interesting. I hadn't thought about that with the remote workforce, but it makes a ton of sense. I don't know what it's like in Philadelphia, but in Tampa Bay, we have a lot of rental properties, rental units on the market, coming on the market, being built to get onto the market. I noticed that there's a huge increase of that. We also have the same thing going on in the buying market, right? Yeah. What's been the status quo as far as real estate management? Well, I have the privilege of working uh, right now with a company called Rentees, and, and the three founders of that company are all very well versed in real estate. They're all landlords themselves, and they've been doing this for a little while. So I've been able to help them with the technology and the vision that they've had and to be able to put that into something that we're now building. And they've been able to give me a lot of kind of a crash course in how these things go and what's really been happening. But it's just interesting because a lot of these folks are, you know, if you're a small time person, you maybe try to just do this yourself. Some people are out there and collecting cash payments and personal checks and just kind of doing it behind the scenes. And then there are some software providers out there that are enabling people to do this. There's a number of smaller ones and there's some larger ones that are out there. But the coming back to what I was mentioning earlier, these guys have been listening and had been experiencing some of the pain themselves. They found that so many of these providers are just kind of putting the software out there, but they're not really, they're not providing the help that's or the guidance and help that's needed for landlords to be able to use this stuff and, and move forward. So their vision has been to um, kind of talking about disruption air to disrupt that a little bit. And Part of it was just a simple thing of standing behind what they built, being out there and then being available and having guidance and being able to talk to people to help them. That's one big part of it. And just going through and, and offering multiple ways to do things. For instance, you mentioned at the beginning, but we have a, a cryptocurrency coin that we've minted. And as we're going here, one of the things we'll be doing, we already have the coin and, and eventually as we're building the product, we'll be allowing folks to, to make payments in cryptocurrency if they want to. So trying to listen to what folks are wanting out there and, and just putting it together in, in a software and standing behind it and being visible support it. Yeah, it sounds like there is a pent up demand with landlords to have a better way to accept payments. Yeah. That seems to be the key disruption that's happening in the industry. What are the pain points that landlords are experiencing? What's been happening? I mean, you see you check the ticket check or cash, right? Or a money order, right? Yeah. That's drastically changed. What's going on? I think there's a lot of things. Number one, I, I've gotten a bit of a crash course in how payment processing works over the last few months as we've been building this. There's always 
service charges and a lot of other things depending on what method of payment you're using. I always used to wonder why do some retail places I go accept certain credit cards and not others? And why do they take certain forms of payments and not others? And when you get into it, you realize that a lot of it has to do with the behind the scenes processing and payment that happens with some of these things. So for instance, if you're making a larger purchase, you know, for instance, if you were gonna pay your rent on a credit card, you probably, number one, I don't know if that's a great idea, but number two, you're gonna get hit with a much larger service charge. And so you're gonna add quite a bit of money to your rent. But I think part of the problem is a lot of young people today don't even, they don't use checks. No. You know, everybody's got Cash App or Venmo or anything else. I have three children that are out of high school and are into the world doing things and they have bank accounts, but not one of them has a checkbook. They just, it's just not part of what we do anymore. And so we have to adapt and be able to do that. In the old days, you'd always write a check for your rent. That's just kind of how it was. But you have a whole generation of people coming up that some of them don't even know how to write a check. If you gave it to them, they wouldn't know. Right. And so you've got to be able to adapt and, and offer other, other ways of payment and a lot of digital things. and. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is to, to get out in front and, and enable folks to pay the way they want to, rather than forcing them into a model that's been there. What, what happens with landlords? Are they losing prospects that could rent for them because they're not as agile as they need to be in, in order to accept payments? What's happening there? I think there's some that, yeah, it could be, but they're, you know, they're not offering that and, and folks want to be able to pay a different way. In my area here, just in, I live in Chester County in Pennsylvania, and there in the last few years, just in within a 10 mile radius of where I live, there have been, I can't even count, at least eight or nine apartment buildings that have been gone up, that have built up and they're all over the place. And so yeah. we have a, a ton of new renters coming in there. And a lot of these newer buildings that are being put up, you know, they're, they're kind of changing. They're trying to adapt with times and do things like that. So folks are coming in and they're, they're looking to, to pay in different ways. And, but I think a lot of especially smaller time folks who, you know, they don't have the ability to accept some of these digital forms of payment are missing out. And so we're trying to make it easy for them to do that. Yeah. Uh, adapt and, and not have to learn a whole new thing, but easily have some options that they can then offer through our service. And so that's what we're trying to do to help some of these landlords to, to be more uh, competitive and, and then all for what the tenants are really looking for. Yeah, and the certain solutions that have been out there so far, you mentioned something earlier that it was sort of just like set it and forget it. Software solutions, being able to accept payments and so forth, and that doesn't always really work for no. landlords and these, even these you know smaller, I guess, sole proprietors or you know SMBs, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to be able to compete and, uh, you know, accept payments, like it seems a little stagnant as far as how the industry has been. Yeah. And if you're a landlord, you shouldn't have to necessarily be technically savvy in order to do what you're doing. Right. So you don't have to become like an expert in how all these technology works in order to do this. But some of the services that are out there, you know, they're they're not very intuitive and people have to try to figure out how this works and it becomes a source of frustration. Some of our founders have been involved in a lot of real estate forums and have talked to folks and have been listening to the frustrations they have and they've bounced from one software provider to another trying to find something that'll work for them. And that really is what that became, well, let's, let's build it ourselves and put it out there, you know, and, and provide the solutions that these folks are looking for. So, so our idea is, 
hey, you do what you do, we'll do what we do, and we'll do it simple enough that it's easy to understand, and if there's ever a question, we're right there to help you. So what do they want? They want the ability to accept, accept different types of digital payments mm-hmm. very easily, right? And I guess yeah. there's a lot out there, but do you pick uh, a certain number of the most popular that are being used in the real estate industry? That does it have the ability to scale and add more to it, or how does that work? Well, you have to be careful because some of these things are changing too. Like I know not too long ago, you could pay a lot of bills or pay a lot of things with say PayPal or Venmo. But I think as the more that happens, the government and other places are looking at this and saying, well, this something doesn't quite look right. We're missing out on some things here. And so that's why you're seeing now like PayPal has a whole business end and you have to there's a difference between sending money to a friend who maybe because you split dinner or they bought the tickets and you're paying them back versus paying a bill. And so now there's there's a lot of limits on how much you can send in just what they call the friend friend kind of payment. And so now you have to be careful if it's over a certain amount, now it has to be classified differently. And so we're just trying to adapt and stay with that. But a lot of it, honestly, I think some of the most uh, simple ways, a lot of those services they're really just using a bank to bank transfer and they're dressing it up, right? So Venmo and PayPal and these other places, you can put money into your PayPal account and do all that, but eventually you're gonna to wanna to probably transfer it to your bank account. And so a lot of what we're doing, and especially for a rent payment, you may not necessarily wanna have all that online. So we're trying to, I think the most common way is probably gonna just be a bank to bank transfer payment. And so we're making that very easy to do and then offering other options as well as folks may wanna do that. You have some landlords and tenants who've been, like I had an uncle who lived in an apartment in Ocean City, New Jersey for, uh, I don't know, probably 20 years at one point. He was there, he knew the guy that owned the building and he would just put an envelope in a box somewhere and paid cash and that's just how they did things. So you're gonna have some folks like that that are still around and we'll work with them. But by and large, most folks now are wanting to be able to make an easy bank transfer and we'll just make it simple for them to do that. Well, it always sounds like it goes down to the simplest and the less friction for the consumers. Bank to bank transfer seems to be it. Yeah. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. What percentage of of the market are wanting to pay with crypto? Well, you know, that's interesting because one of our founders, our CEO, uh, is a fellow by the name of Chris Nordstrand. He is the guy out of all of us who is most knowledgeable of crypto. He's been an investor and done some things and it was really his idea to say we should look at adding this piece in. And we went out there and and kind of found a a marketplace where we could talk to people and created, um, there's a social media platform, Telegram, which I wasn't overly familiar with, but is is very popular in in terms, especially in some of the crypto places. And we got a tremendous response. Chris was going around doing a lot of what they call AMAs, the Ask Me Anythings, and um, got a really quickly got a very big following and a lot of people were excited about this idea because it's truly not out there. And so we had, uh, we launched and minted our coin. It's called the Rentees coin. And that's out there today. Folks have invested in that. And our pre-sale was like sold out very, very, very quickly. And so it went well. And, and now we we're just keeping people informed as to where we are, you know, software development, especially with a small team like this, you don't always build everything immediately and super fast. So we have a schedule and we're building keeping folks together, but we're wanting to add that, uh, the ability for folks to essentially make their monthly rent payment an investment opportunity. And that's what we're looking to do. So folks eventually will be able to stake 
their rent payment in a way that's careful enough that they're not going to lose their rent. So you're not, you know, we don't want to have people do something where they make an investment and then, you know, the bottom drops out and then when it comes time to pay rent, they have nothing. So we have some things in place and ideas here that folks can, can essentially stake their crypto and, and their rent and eventually earn some money on that. And, and you're now looking at folks who can take something as simple as paying a rent and now turn it into an investment opportunity and be actually earning money just simply by paying the rent. So that's where we're headed to. We'll be, uh, we've got some things out there and we've gotten a great response and be launching that part of it at some point here very soon. That is super interesting because buying a home has typically been the traditional investment avenue when it comes to homes, right? But now we have, you're talking about making an investment on rental in your rental payments. What has been, you know, you listen a lot in the feedback that you've gotten, what are people saying about this? There is a market out there. The folks who are, especially those folks that are cryptocurrency enthusiasts and the investors, they're very excited about this project. In fact, we had to continually be pushing updates back out to folks because folks were just, when is this going to happen? When are you guys going to launch? They were very excited about that. So we kept them informed with the coin that we launched, and now we're keeping them informed of, this, of the software side of this as well. The other thing that they're in really excited about with this is that cryptocurrency, there's something called you know, the tokenomics and how when you invest in that and you make transactions where some of the money ends up going to, and there's a certain percentage that actually comes back into the platform here that we're building. So this is also one of the coins that actually has some you know, some real value into something that's not just uh, kind of ethereal, you know, it, you can look back and you can actually see, oh, it, it's when I'm making these transactions, it's actually helping to fund and build this platform. And as the platform is more successful, the coin will be successful and vice versa. So it's really kind of a, a unique thing for us. And um, that's why right now we're really working hard to get our platform up and running. Very shortly after that first release, we want to, you know, within a few months of that or so, we're planning really to get out there and enable this cryptocurrency side of it as well. That's great. Platform is super important. Mm. What's the biggest problem that, that ability to accept crypto is resolving for these consumers and these landlords? You know, it's like any any kind of innovation is is resolving a problem yeah. or a pent up demand. Well, I think. Just practically speaking, one of them is many of the current payment processors, you know, and there's some payment processors that have been around out there and they're used to dealing with what's been around for a long time, right? They can help you with credit card payments, debit card payments, bank transfers, things along those lines. But most of them are not really involved in cryptocurrency at all. And so now if you wanted to make a payment with cryptocurrency for your rent, you'd have to find a situation where you have a landlord who's also involved in cryptocurrency and has a wallet where you can kind of do this offline. And it's the thing about that is you're just kind of sending crypto back and forth between folks, and, you know, on the wallets. And that's just kind of a transaction, but it doesn't directly tie to rent. And so what we're doing when we do this, frankly, we, we don't have a payment processor that we know of right now that we're working with that, that will do that. So we're actually building some things out so that we can have a wallet and it will still take place inside the application. So that way folks would actually be able to do this and still stay right inside the rentees application. And if they were going to make a more traditional style of payment, that would go through the payment processor and that process that we have set up today. And 
if they wanted to do the crypto payment, it would behind the scenes go through another path, but they'd be able to do that right there inside the application and, and see a record of, of uh, rent payments regardless of how they paid it. So that's another thing that's, that was, I think that's one of the biggest things for us is, you know, finding the right folks that we can work with to make some of these things happen. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Based on what you're doing and the projections of the company, what percentage of the market do they think will really latch on to the cryptocurrencies and rent payments? That's a really good question right now because it really depends on the number, the percentage of the market that's into the, the cryptocurrency. And so that part of it is a little bit, probably a little smaller right now, but it's not served at all. So even though it's a little bit smaller, there's no one serving that market. And that's exactly. What we're exactly. Do. Well, are, what are they? Ex I mean, they're obviously expecting something to happen out of this, right? Uh, crypto is yeah. only going to grow. Yeah. Sure. And I think what you'll see is, you know, also, you know, word of mouth and things will happen. And the more you're able to make payments like this, you know, when, when, Bitcoin and all that first came out, you know, it took a long time for, for a lot of folks kind of mainstream to really take it seriously or to kind of think that it wasn't some sort of scam or, or a crazy thing going on. But, you know, it's, it has caught on and it's, and it's out there and there's a number of coins, obviously, that are in the market. And just like any other financial market, it's kind of going to have its ups and downs. But I think now you're seeing people are actually making use of that and, and investing and, and making purchases and transactions back and forth. and and so we're just really looking to bring that into a whole other area here where there's the folks that want to do that will be able to. And I'll be honest, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's a little hard to track right now what size, of what percentage of the market that is and how big it is. But we do know that we've gotten a tremendous response from folks who are interested in this. And so for us, it was definitely worthwhile to move forward and, and pursue it. Yeah, that makes total sense. How do you get on this particular path of listening and, and project management and really innovating like has this always been a, a natural evolution for you or did, was there some sort of something that happened in your career that was like an epiphany where you're like that's it i can tell you two things actually going back boy more than 20 years ago now i was in financial accounting and i worked i, I led a team of accountants and we priced mutual funds and you know it's an interesting thing but it it's the same thing every day. And so I was kind of, after a while looking at this going, I wake up every day, I start with this cash, I process the trades, I come up with a price. And by the time I publish it, it's already worthless. And so I was looking at some of these things thinking, I want to look at something else. And uh, I happened to know two guys who back in 1998 had started a company and were building it up. And they had uh, two customers started talking to me. And I remember, I distinctly remember, I was sitting in a diner talking to one of the founders of that company. And he was explaining all these different things and everything just went completely over my head, all this technology. And, and so finally, he's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I think I don't understand a single word you said, and I don't know how I can help you. And he says, don't worry about it. I'll teach you. And I talked with my wife at the time and we decided, let's just do it. And I made the jump and it was, it was an absolute complete change for me. And I started working for this tiny little startup that had two customers and over, uh, I was there for five years initially and then left and came back. And over those first four or five years, we grew from two customers in New Jersey to over 5,000 across North America. It really blew up and was very, very successful. And for me, that was it. I, I, I completely enjoyed that. I didn't have a specific job. I ended up running around doing a lot of things. I was kind of a gap filler. 
And over time, one of the things I learned was, well, we're going to build a product management department in here. And they brought a guy in and I was sitting with him and he taught me a few things and I thought, boy, this is great. I love this. And so I got into product management and, uh, you know, from there, I've really just enjoyed that and have been since 2012, I've really been focused more on that product management side of things. So it's been, is a journey that I never thought I'd be on. I, I went to college and was a marketing and economics major. And I've been on this other journey ever since then. And it's been just a tremendous amount of fun. And I would say that what I'm doing right now with rentees is probably the closest feeling I've had to those early days. That company is called Frontline Education. They were Frontline Data when I first joined them. But from that, that this rentees has kind of got that same feeling of the early days of that company, where it's just a lot of fun, small group of people trying to do something bigger than themselves and working together to get it done. So it's, it's been a great fun so far. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I'm sure your marketing and economics knowledge and education has put you in good stead with both of this. It has helped. That's true. It's funny, but you know, everybody always looks back on your degrees. I'm not doing something specifically in one of those degrees, but you're right. The things that I've learned and was taught have uh, certainly come to be a big help along the way. Yes, absolutely. So what do you do outside your work and instituting like technology products to help these like crazy startups? Do you have any like passions or hobbies that you love? I do like to be outside. We do. There's a group of guys that we've been getting together. Mostly it started with some guys in the church that I go to going camping and, and we go camping once a year. And so we've been doing that for over I think more than 25 years at this point. Every fall we get together and we bring new guys in and some of the old guys are still there and we have fun with that. You know, I used to do a lot of backpacking, not quite as much anymore, but just getting outside. And when my kids were a little younger, I used to love coaching their games and, and going to see them play. And but for me, what I can, I, I love to just get outside and we can just wander around somewhere or do a little fishing or whatever it is. I enjoy, enjoy being outdoors. I think us technology people need that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. What's what's one of the coolest places that you've been backpacking? Actually, one of my favorite places is uh, the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. I've been down there a number of times and there are just, I mean, it's number one, I'm a little bit of a history buff and it is just loaded with history. A lot of the civil war movements and things happened all through there. There's a spot where President Hoover, before Camp David was created, President Hoover created his own private retreat right in that's now part of the park. You can still see the buildings there, some of the cabins. And just some of the views are, are incredible through there. So I really enjoy I haven't been down there for a little while. I want to get back. But Shenandoah National Park in Virginia is definitely one of my favorites. Sounds beautiful. I'm going to look yeah. it up. Oh, hey, Denny, tell us how people can get a hold of you and tell them how they can go get a hold of Rentees. Yeah, That's absolutely. Day, right? Yes, Rentees. It's uh, our website is Rentees.com. It's R-E-N-T-E-E-Z.com. All our contact information there is on the bottom of that page, but that's right now it's just kind of showing you what, what is coming. We are looking to do uh, our, our initial release here very, very soon, and uh, we're excited about that. So you can read a little bit about some of the founders and us there, and you can reach out. There's a, We've got email and phone number at the bottom where folks can reach out to us, but we're going to be launching that very soon. We also have some uh, social media links on the bottom of that page where folks can follow and things we're doing there. But uh, yeah, rentees.com is probably the best place to, to jump in and, and take a look. 
Great. And if people want to like pick your brain about project project management or and product management, I'm sorry, changes in technology with that and so forth, how do they get a hold of you? Well, you can LinkedIn is a great way to do that. I have my uh, LinkedIn profile. That's uh, that's how we uh, just Jenny Boss on LinkedIn, and uh, you know, but also my email. I'm always willing to just kind of share my email and and things with folks to to reach out to them. But you can email me. It's it's pretty simple. It's den d e n at boss b o h s dot u s. So that's uh, real easy. Folks can reach out, and but LinkedIn is probably the best way to 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 get hold of me. I'm. I've got it open so folks can uh, reach out. I don't kind of have that closed like a lot of folks do. I just decided to leave it open and find it interesting that way. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's another common character trait of disruptors, willing to talk to others, willing to help them. I think that's great. Thank you. Well, I've had a lot of people help me through many years. So for me, it's just would be a bit selfish not to help others when I think about all the help I've received. Yeah, that's awesome. Pay it back, pay it forward, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Denny, thank you so much. I have enjoyed this. I am going to look more into cryptocurrencies in rental payments and so forth, but I think you and your team is really onto something. Great. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. This has been fun. You bet. All that's right. a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thank you for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.